Hello, everyone. Welcome to Morals and Markets, the podcast presented by the Atlas Society and hosted by Atlas Society Senior Scholar and Assistant Professor of Political Economy at Duke University, Dr. Richard Salzman. This month's episode is why the GOP lost the midterm elections. I hope you enjoy the content. And if you do, I hope you'll consider sharing, liking, subscribing to the podcast. We are available on all your favorite podcast platforms as well as YouTube. Without further ado, I hand things off to you, Richard. Thank you, Abby, and thank you, Scott, for co-hosting as well, and good to see uh, my long-term colleague and friend Peter Murphy here as well. So, Peter, don't be shy about chiming in uh, later. Now, as usual, I'll uh, speak for about 20 minutes or so, maybe 25, and then open it up for comments and questions. Uh, we're, we're slotted for 90 minutes. I don't know if we'll go that long tonight. It is uh, Thanksgiving week. I wish you all happy Thanksgiving. Let me start, as I normally do, by reading the abstract, and then I'll dig into it. So here's my abstract of a title tonight called Why the GOP Lost the Midterm Elections. The abstract says the GOP got more votes in the recent House elections, by the way, 50 million to 44 million, 6 million extra. But the widely expected red wave didn't materialize. After two years of Democrat incompetence, corruption and vice, with inflation at a 40 year high, no economic growth, rampant crime, border anarchy, civil liberty assaults, bans on fossil fuels, publicly subsidized genital mutilation, get that one. Republicans still only won a bare majority of House seats, and they lost, it seems, a seat in the Senate, although there's still a runoff December 6th. Why? I'm going to dig into this a little bit, but here are some candidates. Poor GOP candidate quality. I don't believe that one. I say no to that one. Election fraud. Well, there's always election fraud, but I don't think there was enough to materially change the outcome. Abortion issue. Where do you see the numbers I give you on abortion? Possibly a bigger issue than the GOP is willing to admit. But the simplest explanation I'll end with is actually something that um, goes to the philosophy of the electorate. I think it's possible to start concluding that the majority of American voters prefer anti-capitalist policies. That's a hard thing for a pro-American to say. For years, Ayn Rand and the objectivists have said that there's a gap, a breach between the intellectuals and the electorate, and that there was a trailing residue American sense of life that made sure that politics didn't go too crazy. But uh, the objectivist view also is ideas matter, and ideas coming out of the universities matter. And it's undeniable that the ideas coming out of the universities are not just there trickling down to elsewhere. The intellectuals have been anti-capitalist most of this century. Now, it was pro-capitalist for the last two decades of the last century, but the last 20 years have been pretty bad. And I believe that's starting to show up in the electorate. Even when these races are close, they shouldn't be that close. The GOP generally, I think, is the party to back, the party that we should be working to make more pro-liberty and pro-capitalist, more secular. Um, I think the Democrats are a lost cause. They've totally gone over to the left. There are no liberals really left of any voice in that party. But I also blame the liberals, so-called liberals, for decades because they are the ones who let in the lefties. Now, let me go to some of these. And by the way, I'm going to give you some tonight, some some exit poll data, uh, which is very, very interesting to give you more a flavor of the electorate. So that I take that. I'm going to take that from the CNN uh, exit poll data. They gather it from others as about 20,000 people selectively that were interviewed coming out of the polls on election night. And the the answers they gave are very interesting, very revealing. So I don't want to just uh, comment, you know, from 30,000 feet tonight and, you know, pontificate or theorize. 
about things. I want to give you some inductive uh, knowledge about the state of the electorate and what they think about a whole bunch of things that I think might better explain uh, what happened. Now, candidate quality, this is always something people comment on after the fact. Ben Shapiro was known for doing this. He'll go through and say, well, if this person lost, it's because the candidate quality was low. That was never predicted ahead of time. So that's kind of an arbitrary thing. But this is true. I mean, candidate quality to me means, are they articulate? Are they experienced? This is That's key. And are they right on the issues that are most salient? I mean, you could be absolutely excellent on the issues, but if they're not the issues of the moment, if they're not what political scientists call salient. Uh, for those of you who are talking in the background, please mute. Um, then it's not going to be relevant. So right off, right off there, I would say, many of the Republicans who lost were rookies. It's very difficult to beat an incumbent, even an incompetent Democrat incumbent. And there were a lot of cases like that. It wasn't so much that they were Trump-backed. There might be some overlap there. The real issue was they were rookies. They were new. Uh, Carrie Lake is a perfect example. She was, I thought, an excellent, decent, high-quality candidate in Arizona for governor, but not in the sense of having any experience. She was a Fox News anchor. Now, she's very articulate. She's very smart. I think she would have made a great governor, but the Republicans, actually both parties, should not ignore the fact that experience matters. And if you know, the trend, at least in the Republican Party over the last uh, decade or so, has been anti-establishment. Now, what is that? The swamp, the deep state. Now, some of those critiques are relevant, but think what it means. It's a populist type of approach that says we're going to put up people who are not politicians. I mean, Trump was an obvious example of that, and he won but the Republicans have lost really the last three elections, 18, 20, and 22. So, so it's not unimportant whether your politicians are actually experienced or not. And it's a tough, it's a tough thing because if they're over-experienced, that means they've been in Washington too long and they're likely to be corrupt. But you can't have them with no experience either. The fact that many of them, like Harry Lake, got so close, I would say Blake Masters as well, that they got so close to winning even without that experience is an argument for making sure there's a bench with experience uh, in the Republican Party. So that's one thing. That's that issue of candidate uh, quality. For the most part, other than the inexperienced aspect of it, I think the candidate quality was fine among the GOP. Uh, now, election fraud. There's always election fraud. Those who deny that there's election fraud or shenanigans are liars. But the claim on the other side that there are, quote unquote, election deniers, it's not that people are denying elections, it's, pe it's that people, and it turns out mostly from the Republican side at the polls, if you believe the polls, are concerned about election integrity. Let's put it on the positive side. They don't want elections stolen. They don't want shenanigans. They don't want an election that takes all month instead of one day. So uh, I believe the more the Democrats gain control, the more they um bastardized democracy the democrats are known for being anti-democratic uh that's a kind of paradox out there but that so that is an issue but i don't think any materiality uh pertains by that i mean the the fraud has not been material enough to change the outcome but it's still an issue it is still a problem and the democrats are all for loosening and diluting and corrupting the electoral process so they can manipulate it that's that i think is undeniable uh, here's the thing I want to say about the GOP. They need to be pro-American, pro-liberty, and pro-capitalist. They tend not to be. They tend to be anti-liberal, anti-socialist, 
anti, 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 anti. You get the idea? You cannot win that way if you only have defense, if you're only trying to, quote, conserve the existing mix of things. So the whole conservative approach is futile. Um, the the aggression, if you will, the momentum is always on the side of the Democrats, even though they have the worst ideas and the worst policies. They are always on offense. They have a plan. They they want they have a whether it's environmentalism, the Green New Deal, their fascist socialist elements, uh, abolish the electoral college, pack the Supreme Court, add two Senate seats. If you notice, they have a plan and they have it and they they work on it and they get up every day trying to push it. You can't say that about the GOP. It's sad. So Trump is a perfect example when he said America will never become a socialist country. Notice how defensive that is. Uh, Almost like a sense that it is becoming one and he's going to stand athwart and stop it all. Well, what about a president who says we need to become a more pro-capitalist country and here's how we're going to do it? So I think that still bedevils the GOP. It wasn't really an issue with Reagan. Reagan was much more forthright, as was Thatcher. It's one of the reasons they were successful. They advocated positive ideas, and people loved that. Reagan won two landslides, by the way. So you can't just be anti-stuff. I think that's an issue. Let me lastly say what I said originally. I think the intellectuals and the electorate gap has almost collapsed and narrowed to nothing. And so when you see woke everywhere, I've done seminars on woke before, but the whole concept of every institution now, not just media and schools and not just Hollywood, which for years has had woke in it, but now corporate suites, now the Pentagon, now everything is a sign that this is coming from the intellectuals. This corruption of language, this corruption of principles, this anti-Americanism, these bigoted statements about the country being systemically racist, systemically homophobes, systemically this and that, are, are just awful, but they are resonating with the electorate. The gap between the crazy things that intellectuals and academics have said uh, is in the mainstream, is in the bloodstream of, of a large part of the electorate. Uh, unfortunately. So, uh, I mean, the only solution to that is better intellectuals and better policies and better people in academia. Now, um, in looking at the exit polls, by the way, just on sheer numbers alone, you know, the, the Republicans were down nine seats in the House before the election. Now they're up nine seats and they control the House. So the good news is they do control the House. Nancy Pelosi is out as Speaker. Kevin McCarthy is a kind of a middle-of-the-road moderate Republican, is in as House Speaker. The gain in seats, therefore, was net nine, but the, the estimates were that it would be something like net plus 25. Nonetheless, the GOP has 222 seats in the House. The peak they've ever had is 240. So they're actually not far. They're 18 seats away from the peak they've ever had. So it's not a complete disaster. But the real trouble is in the Senate. I mean, they didn't net gain anything in the Senate, which is really unfortunate, the Senate being much more powerful. Um, So actually, I wouldn't expect them to have much of an agenda over the next two years. They're in a more defensive mode. The House will do a bunch of investigations of the corrupt Biden regime, the corrupt Biden family, the border situation and things like that. But it's it's more investigative and rather than pushing an agenda, because frankly, if you push an agenda right now, it would just be vetoed in the Senate or by the president. 
Okay, so that my overall uh, conception of what happened is it's not candidate quality from the GOP. That was fine. It's not election fraud that resulted in this. I do believe there's an intellectual shift among the electorate. Um, and I think the GOP is still in a defensive mode. But now let me go to, to certain aspects of the um, exit polls that I think are very revealing. First of all, when it's asked, uh, what was the most important issue for you? The voters uh, generally said, top of the list, 31% inflation, 27% uh, abortion. Now that surprised me, but that says a lot about what happened and I'll dig into that more. Next on the list was crime. Next on the list was gun policy. And, and last on the list was immigration. Now notice war in Ukraine didn't come up. I think that'll be a big issue actually over the next two years because that's a, there's bipartisan support for that. So when there's stasis like this, when there's more gridlock, uh, you're more likely to see common ground on something like that, which I think is very um, um, ominous, actually. I think I think it's more likely, first of all, the president has much more power and discretion in foreign policy to do whatever he wants. And here's a case where both parties, uh, so far as the record shows, are, are interested in helping Ukraine. So I think there's a greater risk that the U.S. gets more involved in war over the next two years. But that wasn't even on the list of things in the in the vote. Now, here's the thing, though. Uh, among abortion, 27% uh, saying abortion, 76% of Democrats said it was important, and only 23% of the GOP. On inflation, this is a real shocker. The, the Democrats basically think the economy is just fine. The, the Democrats were polled as saying, I, I, inflation, I don't see inflation. As recession, where? I don't see recession. Those numbers are just pop off the, the list. It is amazing. They're either not looking at the data or they're watching media that don't even mention it. It is a real disconnect. 71% of the GOP voters said inflation was important to them, only 28% of Democrats. Now, on immigration, what do you think the split was? 73% of Republicans said it was important to them, only 25% of Democrats. On crime, a little more split, a little closer. The GOP, 57% of GOP voters said crime was important to them, only 41% of Democrats, but 41% of Democrats um, is a lot. Okay, so that's just as the salience of issues. Uh, that so turns out to be very important because if you line up what are the issues and then say, well, which party is winning on those issues, you can see why you would get this outcome. On something like inflation, even if the GOP candidates talked about it, it wasn't an issue. It wasn't a huge issue to uh, Democrats and, and not necessarily to a large part of the population. So abortion, however, was. And I came to conclude after looking at these uh, internal polls uh, these exit polls, so to speak, that abortion was much more important to this outcome than even I expected. So let me go to that. I mean, there's some other data here, which is interesting, but let me just quote some of this. This is on, this is some of this is on religion, but then also on abortion. First of all, by the way, there were referendum, there were ballot questions, not that many this time, but there were four on abortion. So the question either was, should abortion be guaranteed, you know, by the local state? In California, 67% said yes, 33% said no. Michigan, 57% said yes, make it a make it a right, guarantee it, 43% no. Vermont, 77%. So 
from the standpoint, I, I am pro-choice through and through. I'm actually pro-choice on everything, not just woman's right to choose, but economic choice, every other kind of choice. Um, the, this is good news. Even in Kentucky, where it was worded slightly differently, it was worded as, should there be no right to abortion? No, 52%. And yes, 48%. So there's four in a row where abortion was an issue. And obviously, the Dobbs decision last June overturning Roe v. Wade. Uh, is one of the reasons these things were uh, on the ballot. Um, now, more on this, since I think it's an important issue. Just on religion, then I'll go back to abortion. How often do you attend religious services? Weekly or more? This is an issue of how religious is the population. Versus occasionally versus never. So weekly or more, the GOP, 66 to 33, twice as many GOPers, Republicans say they go weekly or more. Uh, the ones for never, it flips. Never go, 66 Democrats, 31% GOP. So the Democrats are much more, if you want to call it secular, uh, they have other religions like um, socialism and, and environmentalism. But when it comes to traditional religions, they're not. And that makes me closer to them. I mean, that makes the a, an objectivist, a, a pro-reason person would be more sympathetic with that uh, approach. Now, here's another one. Are you a white, born-again evangelical? Well, what do you think the numbers are there? Yes, Republicans, 83% of the ones who said yes were Republicans, only 15% Democrats. Okay, now, I, I say this as background to going into abortion. Should abortion be legal or illegal? The broader population is 60-40. So the, so the population in general is 60% legal, 40% illegal. But the breakdown, of course, within is enormously different. Democrats, 73% uh, Ill, uh, say legal, GOP 25. And when it comes to illegal, the GOP is much stronger on this. 90% of them say it should be illegal. Uh, the ones who say it should be illegal, in other words, are, are Republicans, I should say. Um, at the extremes, in fact, illegal in all cases. I mean, even in the case of um, rape and incest, uh, of the ones who said illegal in all cases, 88% of them were Republicans. Incredible. Um, now, on Roe v. Wade being overturned, are you enthusiastic about that overturning? Or are you satisfied, dissatisfied, or angry? Now, get this, 39% of the uh, poll said, I'm angry. 39% of the entire population coming out of the voting booth said, I'm angry it was overturned. But Democrats, 85% of the ones who said they were angry were Democrats, only 14% Republicans. Enthusiastic, of the ones who said they were enthusiastic about overturning it, 95% of them were Republicans, 4% Democrats. Uh, just a comment here. This might be controversial, so let's talk about it in the q and I believe, I've long believed, and now I really believe, <laughs> if the Republican Party were to drop this view on abortion, they would never lose another election. Now, it's, it's sometimes difficult to make a claim like that because it's one issue and you'll lose people who want that issue. But I'm thinking here, and it's long been the case, hasn't changed much, that the people who have that view are very religious. And the Republican Party is more religious than the Democratic Party, but it's not it's not dominated by religious people. 
And um, I can't imagine an evangelical saying, well, the Republican Party has switched its position on abortion, therefore I will vote Democrat. I think more like that, I think that's highly unlikely because the Democrats have the position the Republicans are switching to. I think much more likely is they wouldn't be as motivated to vote for Republicans or work for them, go to the precincts and stuff like that. And then there's a question of like whether that's really true or not. Because to the extent those same people are older, they're not going to be activists within the party either. They will come out and vote more than young people will. But in terms of it being the future of the party, so I'm making a point here really about electoral competition, but I'm basing it on the philosophic principles that um, individual rights include a woman's right to control her own body. And I think if the Republican Party could bring itself to have that position and on a, in, in a principled way, um, I don't believe they'd ever lose another election. So that's a crucial thing. I, they, they would lose some support, but, and I'm going overboard by saying they'd never lose another election, but it, these elections are close as they are. And that one issue is really making them lose. And I think the unexpected results this year, it's not coincidental that that coincided with the overturning of Roe v. Wade. I mean, normally abortion was not salient. It just wasn't an issue. It was really an issue this time. And of course, the fact that it's on um, ballots, the fact that four of the country uh, states already have it on ballots, and I'm sure more will next time, means it's a it's a present issue, a really important thing. And the battles are going on. If you know, there's even violence going on at at uh, Planned Parenthood and at other uh, Christian centers that are being burned. So there's a lot of stuff going on. And um, it, in looking at the data here, I think this was much more of an issue um than i initially expected um and it's in the numbers uh let me see what else i want to say but just on demographics alone for those um interested in where the parties are going it's de generally true that the younger you are the more democrat you are so it now get this now in the 18 to 29 age bracket 63 percent are democrats and 35% are Republicans. So the younger cohorts, which is the future of the country when you think about it, now people do change over time. So it's not like they'll all be in this same attitude uh, 10 or 15 years from now, um, but that is really a stark difference. And by the way, 33% um, uh, of people in the country say that they're Democrats or registered Democrats, 38% say Republican. So a greater percentage of people say, no, I'm registered uh, Republican. Now the remainder is what? Independence. So one third of the country is unwilling to identify with either party. And if you think about why uh, the polls may mainly show, the exit polls mainly show that independents do not want to go with the Republicans because of their views on abortion and social issues, some of them on guns as well. But when you break down the independents on economics, they're totally for the Republicans on economics, on uh, to the extent they're seen as uh, free market e economics. Um, what else is interesting here? Let me see. Um, gender, you know, I don't like this kind of breakout, but they they they, they do provide it. Most uh, most uh, females, many more are Democrats than Republicans, and the other way around. And if you if you go by three different cuts, older white men are mostly Republicans. Younger, non-white women are mostly Democrats. So maybe that's why when you turn on CNN and MSNBC, they are so bigoted against uh, old white men, like me. 
A couple of other things this is interesting about, I think, the intellectuals I mentioned earlier. College graduate or not, now in the population, 43%, yes, 57%, no. But Democrats are much more likely to be college graduates than are Republicans. And they're more likely to have advanced degrees. So if you categorize as never attending college or you got an associate degree or a BA all the way up to advanced degrees, 57% of those with advanced degrees are Democrats, only 41% Republicans. Never attended college, 36% Dems, 62% Republicans. So uh, if we're still going by that old model that says, if you don't go to college, you're not going to be corrupted by the current anti-capitalist college mentality. Well, a lot of GOPers don't go to college. Uh, but that does mean uh, the Democrat, generally the Democrat is more, I, I won't say educated, I'll say school has more years in school. And to the extent the schools are teaching anti-capitalism and anti-reason, that's a problem. Um, okay, I'll leave you with a couple more things because people do concern themselves with election integrity. And then what did the president say? Democracy is on the ballot. Democracy is under threat. Uh, that was the pitch. And by the way, the pitch about uh, we're going to cancel uh, student loans. Uh, that was a big thing for Democrats. They were very enthused about that, according to the polls. So the exit polls asked, were you enthused about the plans to cancel student debt? Yes, yes, yes. And of course, that's been thrown out since by a court. Unconstitutional, illegal. That was just pure pandering by Biden ahead of time. But but brilliant when you think about it. Cynically, Machiavellianly brilliant to say just before the election, we're going to cancel all student loans for all those students who tend to vote Democrat. How Here's a question. How confident are you in your state elections in the fairness and accuracy of elections? The population generally says 47% vary, only 40% vary, 33% somewhat. Not at all, only 6% of the population is not at all confident in the accuracy and the fairness of elections. But of those who said not at all, 85% are Republicans and only 15% were Democrats. And it's obviously flipped the other way around. If you're very confident in the accuracy and fairness of the elections, 70% of those who said they were, were Democrats. So that is a real disconnect as well. And of course, something that a politician can use if you say, that's why they came up with election denier, election, if you can label your opponent election denier, um, that's gonna help if you're a Democrat. And finally, democracy in the US is very secure, somewhat secure, somewhat threatened, <laughs> very threatened. Well, here's what's really interesting. In the general population, there's two categories of threatened, right? 68% uh, said threatened. Uh, that's, all, that's a little more than two-thirds, right? One-third of the general population say it's not really threatened, but two-thirds say it's threatened. And here's what's most interesting. When I looked at the uh, partisan breakdown, it's 50-50. There isn't, there isn't any break between Democrats and Republicans. They both equally say in those categories that it's somewhat threatened or very threatened. Now, what that means, you know, if threatened means um, to that the electoral system is breaking down, well, there's some belief in that, but that's mostly a Republican belief, right? 
And so if you change it to, well, maybe they think democracy is at risk because we're seeing more authoritarianism, that would have been a good follow-up question, right? What, why do you think it's threatened? Is it threatened because there's more violence in the streets? Well, that's back to the crime issue. Is it threatened because the polls are being manipulated? That's only a Republican thing mainly. Or, or authoritarianism. Well, you see that both sides, uh, depending on who the other side gets in, if Obama's in, the Republicans say the country's going authoritarian. If Trump gets in, the Democrats say the country's going authoritarian. When Biden gets in, the Republicans say. Now, my view of it is the country is becoming more authoritarian no, no matter who's in office. And maybe that's what's being picked up in that last question is democracy a threat? I, I, my, my own view is that democracy does not ensure constitutionally limited government or liberty. And so in my mind, there's no disconnect between more and more democracy, more and more majority power and, and more chaos as a result. So I'll stop there because I've said um, a lot and maybe some controversial things you guys wanna talk about. So thanks for listening and I'll stop there. Thank you for tuning in to this month's episode of Morals and Markets, the podcast presented by the Owl Society. As always, if you like the podcast, I hope that you will consider rating, reviewing, and sharing with friends on your favorite podcast platform. Additionally, if you'd like to join Dr. Salzman live for an extra hour of Q&A, you can do so by visiting atlassociety.org forward slash events and registering for next month's session. Also, if you like the work that we do here at the Atlas Society to promote reason, individualism, and liberty, I hope that you'll consider a tax-deductible donation at atlassociety.org forward slash donate. Thank you all for joining us. See you next month.